1: so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Inside Access with Jason Fora and Ken Wyman. Sponsored by Stevenson University Online. Your
2: master's and bachelor's goals haven't changed and neither has Stevenson University's online commitment to you. Visit online.stevenson.edu. 105.7 The
3: Fan. Inside access to the Orioles, Brooks, Cal, it's the Hot Corner with Jason, Ken, and Tim Barberleys.
2: Sponsored by Home Life Roofing and Remodeling.
3: the fan. We're going to give him a lot of second base action in uh, spring training, just to, to get a good hard look at that and to prepare him for eventual work at second base, which I think if he's on the team at any point in 2024, second base is going to be a big, big part of the equation. Mike Elias when he joined us last week talking about Jackson Holiday and him getting a lot of second base. He also told us Jorge is going to see a lot of center field uh, in spring training with the projection maybe him being a super utility player. So what do we see this infield looking like as we near opening day pitchers and catchers report Wednesday?
4: You know, I, I think it, it's shaping up as one of the, the youngest in, in baseball. Um, I mean if Jackson Holiday makes this team, obviously he's basically a teenager and if he makes this team they're gonna be he's gonna be playing every day unless or until they reach a conclusion that somehow he needs more seasoning at AAA, and, and um, I don't think they'll make the decision to keep him haphazardly whatsoever. So if he's here he's playing we know that we know what Gunner is. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Westberg has an inside shot, I think to play a whole lot of third base for yep. this team. And what's, what's Mountcastle, 26 years old? I mean, that's your infield, right? Some days it'll be O'Hearn instead of Mountcastle. What's he, 29? I mean, and first base, I mean, let's be real about, you know, what's being asked of them defensively versus the other positions. You know, I, I think Mateo's super utility. And I think, you know, Ramon as a backup second baseman, third baseman. Although I just, I wonder about that fit. As a right handed bat. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Where I I
2: just, I think we all kind of assumed that there was no way that both of these guys would be here come spring training time. And, you know, when we have Mike Elias on, even saying that Mateo obviously is going to explore more uh, center field during spring training. But
3: I, I don't see where Ramon really fits in. The other part for me is, and I know this has been my fetish, and not necessarily just J.D. Martinez, and I know he's not an infielder, but – like I was looking back at some teams, and like the 96 Yankees had that youth movement with Jeter and Posada and those guys, but they also had Wade Boggs and Ruben Sierra on that team, and the Braves we've talked about before with Terry Pendleton and Sid Bream on that team. And the Astros, when they took the leap, they did get Verlander, but they also had James uh, uh, McCann, a catcher, and uh, Carlos Beltran on that team. Like I, I have not seen an example of a team all young. That gets over the hump. You need some sort of veteran influence in this everyday lineup.
4: Well, and I guess the question is do you need it now? Do you need it at the deadline? Do you need it at midseason?
3: I'd love um, to have it at spring training. But yeah, but
4: I, I think also, like, how does he fit? Yeah. Like, you know, they, they, they tried it with Fraser last year, and but by, it, by. But he's
3: not a real guy. I mean, like, a real guy.
4: Who? Who's out there? There's, like,
3: there's an there's, infielder. Well, okay, so infield specifically, that's a tougher one. Yeah, you're right. I'm, but I'm looking more like DH or some sort of veteran bat infielder. I think I think you're right. I just I keep going back to the whole. I feel like they need a vet bat. I think the infield is going to be all young, and I, I have no problem with that.
4: I mean, and I guess what they're thinking is, okay, so how does the if Westberg and Ramon are the same guy, right? Second and third base, right-handed bat. How does that work? But there could be days where, I guess because of the pitcher or whatever, you have Ramon in instead of Westberg. again, even though they're both right-handed bats. And on those days, you yeah, know, Jackson's, play play, day. Jackson's playing short, right? Gunner's at third. And then you've got Ramon at second. I do kind of wonder about that part of it, though, mm. if that should be a left-handed bat. Yeah. Didn't Whit Merrifield yeah. a
3: left-handed bet? I think so. Yeah. No, sorry. I've been. T- I'm being told he's right. Right-handed. Okay. Yeah. I, he bats right. Yeah.
4: That part of it, I, I, I do wonder a little bit about. And look, maybe we talked about this some with JJ uh, Cooper from Baseball America. Like there, there is still some excess here. Yes. Even with Joey Ortiz now being out of the infield mix, and I just wonder, like between a Connor Norby, between a Ramon, yes, one of those guys gone to someplace else, they're going to play more. Yeah, does Ramon really yeah. need to be here?
3: That, that's
2: where I, I, I just don't see where he fits in. But I mean, with Norby, I mean it's he kind of. Where does he fit in? He's one of those guys that we've been talking about even more. I mean, Joey Ortiz was playing over Norby last year, and obviously he's got more positional versatility. But I think Norby and Ramon, it makes a lot of sense.
4: Yeah. I, they really like Ramon, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they love the fact that, and again, we we can debate whether it should have happened this way or not, but he won a gold glove at third base. I know. And there is some position flexibility. But, yeah, I mean, you could kind of look at it and say, do they need another right-handed bat in the outfield in a perfect world and another left-handed bat in the infield? Maybe. Maybe. Um,
3: But youth is going to carry the day. And it should. In the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. And it should. It should, yeah. Now I've no like I. I think I'm more bullish on Westberg than you are. I, I like Westberg a lot. I would just play him every day. Like, I, I want to see what that kid can do. And I, and I love his, for lack of a better term, his moxie. I like he like I, I like what he brings to that clubhouse. No, I look. He he is. Um, he works his tail off.
4: I, I, I have no issues with Jordan Westberg. I I just. I like him more at second than third, yeah. and the Jackson-Holiday part of this equation. I I, I, I want to see what it looks like. He certainly should get a, a good run there. Um, it's really young, though. There's not a whole yeah. lot of major league at-bats in that infield. And Ramon didn't give you the pop last year no, that he gave you. No, and that you Ramon go- didn't hit at home yeah. at all. Yeah. Um. And, and there was no pop there. Like, I'll certainly say this. Would I rather have Ramon or Whit Merrifield? I'd rather have Whit Merrifield. Yes. Like, is there is there a trade to be made or trades to be made that filter out like Ramon and Kyle Stowers? Mm-hmm. I know now we're talking outfield. I know, but but yeah. like it's an evolving like conversation. The Padres, he would have made a ton of sense for last yes. year when I was talking about Hader and Snell. Like they need corner bats and they're desperate, especially after trading Soto for a left-handed power bat. Like, I don't care what you really get for Like, mm. I'm sure there's a couple 20-year-olds they yeah. signed out Lottery of the Dominican tickets. years ago mm. who you liked then. Like, it doesn't have to be a top prospect, but like, and then same thing for Ramon. Like, you know, somebody might like the glove and, and might be looking for a right-handed infield bat and might think that his pop plays more in their stadium versus here with Baltimore. I, I, there's definitely going to have to be some more weeding out, you know? And then with Connor Norby... He's blocked here, and you'd love to have him for depth, but like, he's gonna he's he's gonna start. This would be he's already played a year and two two and a half months at yeah. AAA. I mean, he's gonna start a another season at AAA. I, I, I don't know. And I, he could, it's and, not and, fair and certainly to him. if he does, I guess you're playing him more in the outfield. Yeah, because I I just don't like he's a second baseman in the infield. You're not playing him at short ever. You're not playing him at third ever. So. Hey, maybe he gets a run in Norfolk in the outfield, and and that's how he breaks through. Um, And then Kobe Mayo's going to be a first baseman. I mean, that's first base right field. Yeah. And he's probably going to be ready sooner rather than later.
5: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
4: By early June, right, they start a little later in the minors, like
3: not that far after Memorial Day, he, he might be making his case. Inside Access here on a Monday. Uh, More baseball coming up next. We're going to talk to Jonah Schaefer from the Baltimore Banner at 3.30 and get back to the Ravens at 3.45. But coming up next, all the young dudes and, and what are our expectations for Heston Kerstad this year? That's next here on The Fan. Baby birds are growing up. We're on an excellent trajectory here. This group is going to help us keep taking
4: a step forward. All the young dudes. It's liftoff from here for this team.
3: Inside access 1057, the fan.
4: Eston Kerstedt cranks one. Deep right. For-
0: We have some yeah, very, very
6: young, talented players. Our young guys have been surrounded by some vet, pretty good veteran guys here the last couple of years that have done a nice job of kind of paving the way and helping these guys out and hopefully you bring your, bring the club together and they, and they play, to, play to win every single night.
3: You heard the highlight, Heston Kerstad hitting his first home run. I think that was the night Adam Jones returned to the Orioles, and they got blown out, but Kerstad yes. hit the home run. He In 30 at-bats, he had two home runs uh, for the uh, Orioles, three RBIs, and even made it on the postseason roster where he didn't really get the show in three games. But Heston Kerstad, what do you expect from him? You heard Brandon Hyde talking about it as well. Uh, he was on the morning show this morning. Uh, your thoughts for Heston Kerstad this year?
4: Look, um, again— we can't minimize how hard this young man worked to make up for two lost seasons and to get to the, reach the majors about as, as early as anyone could have hoped for. Um, when you factor in the COVID year and the myocarditis, um, and some other, the injuries, hammy, setbacks, the bad the hammy. hammy. Yeah. So, you know, hats off to that young man. Um, look. There's always going to be a little bit of holes in that, in that swing, and, and there'll be a, a little bit of swing and miss, and that's fine because I think he'll make up for it with the damage that yep. he does. And it was a small sample size. But this kid's hard hit percentage was 55%. Like, and it's hard to do when you're not playing every day and you're looking at some specialized relievers um, and you're coming in cold when you're not used to doing that because you've been a guy who's always played nine innings or whatever, seven innings in amateur baseball or whatever. So I, I think there was far more... To be excited about than not, and and honestly, you saw some of his hit tool and the natural power manifest itself, even in some of the foul balls and the just misses. Like you saw his talent pour out, like in a way you never really do with Colton Cowser. Like he seemed much more comfortable to me mm-hmm. in doing what he's done all his life to get here. Seem more ready than, than Kauser. a Cowser who yeah. I think just didn't maybe in his heart feel like. He was quite ready for it. Um, now how do all the pieces fit? Well, Mike Elias last week telling us Jorge Mateo playing all over the place in the outfield. Well, yeah, if you can if you can if you can basically have a utility guy who's an infielder and an outfielder, that opens up an extra spot. And I think that opens up an extra spot more in this instance for a Heston Kerstad than it does a Colton Kalzer because he already has an elite he's got an elite trait in plus-plus power, and it's plus-plus power from the left side, and we know how that plays in this ballpark, and a lot of ballparks in this division. So, you've got Santander, who's a switch hitter, you've got a right-handed hitting first baseman, right, you've got O'Hearn, also from the left side, um, and so he and I think he and Heston are a little bit redundant, mm-hmm. but O'Hearn, you got for one more year, right, of arbitration, and then he moves on. I think you could find a way to make that fit between right field, first base, DH for Heston Kerstad. But do I, I think moving forward, Heston Kerstad will be a core player for them. And I think Heston Kerstad's going to hit 25 to 30 home runs a year. Yes.
3: I think he hits 20 plus bombs this year. I don't know if he's going mean, ah, to get enough at-bats. We, we will,
2: uh, but I, That's that's what I'm curious about is how much playtime he will get. But Jason, you mentioned the hard-hit percentage, but you look at his minor league career, 43.2% hard-hit percentage. I mean, this guy, he was seen as the best left-handed bat in the draft when he was drafted, but with Kerstad, where do you see him position-wise long-term, assuming he's here? Jason. Small corner outfields.
4: Right field and DH. I mean, I I think he might.
2: Because that's where we brought up with Kobe Mayo Mm. at first base, and then that kind of necessitates something to be done with Ryan Mountcastle or one of them.
4: Well, I mean, look, we also need to keep the long view here. I don't know about Anthony Santander's future here beyond this year, and I don't know about Ryan O'Hearn's future here beyond Mm -hmm. this year. Correct. So if they're out of the mix, that creates, come 2025, a little more leeway, especially if my guy... Big Sam Basayo is uh, knocking on the door. Um, But like, could you have a scenario where Ryan Mountcastle moves on? Kobe Mayo is your everyday first baseman from the right side. He toggles a little bit with Basayo or Heston from the left side. Basayo catches 50 games. Basayo plays 30, 40 games at first base. Basayo gets 30 games. DHing. Heston is your primary right fielder. Um, you know, I, I mean look, like is Colton that Kalzer a number four outfielder here? Like he might be. Like that just might be who or, he is. Or
3: trade him all. He's got value.
4: Like, I'm not sure he's gonna he's gonna crack the in. I mean, do, does an Austin Hayes or a Cedric Mullins get an extension of some sort? You know, and then maybe that shifts a Bradfield to left field. I can I can see a definitive path for Heston Kerstad more than I can for any of these other outfielders right now. More than Kalzer. Like I mean, Bradfield, we know what that's going to be. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be the guy off. Absolutely. That's going to be the speed demon off the bench come the playoffs. Like, and then moving forward, does he displace Cedric? We'll have to see about the hit to how it develops. But like, it's a lot of right-handed pitchers in this league, and I think Heston Kerstad's going to get a shot to face a fair amount of them this year. When does he get at bats against lefties as well, and how does that all play out? I, I don't know. Um but I think he's going to be here a long time.
3: Yeah. What was that that phrase that Buck used to talk about? Like contact, the contact, the damage, or like, and that's what. And you brought it up, Bone. Like his percentage in the minors, like that's the key with him. And he does have holes in his swing, but when he connects, that ball explodes off. Well, the bat. And he
4: connected a lot. Again, I mean, look, the kid saw 124 pitches. I don't want to go crazy, but the average major league exit velocity is 88 miles an hour. His was 92. The average major leaguer hits a sweet spot 33% of the time. He did it 45% of the time. Like, the launch angle, 19%. Like, it, it, it's, there's going to be some feast or famine. There's going to be... A, but I also think he, he's smart enough to cut down on his swing at times, and and I think his... In that ballpark, his batting average when the balls put in play will probably play pretty well. I think he'll hit a lot of gappers, mm. a lot of doubles, and I think he can go the other way yeah. and get a lot of doubles. You know, into into the left field power alley. I think that I I get the sense they have a plan for him. They know how he fits, and in their heart of hearts, they they see what he does in twenty four and twenty five and moving forward. I I don't know. I'm guessing. They have a harder time with that calculus on a bunch of other players, but they'll never tip their hand because you're just like you traded DL Hall as a quote unquote starting, starting pitcher, yeah. you're gonna want to trade Colton Kalzer as a everyday center fielder in the major leagues. You're gonna
3: like I think they know. I think Heston Kirstad's their right fielder. Don't don't they don't you feel like there's another trade coming? Well, like there's still too much. There's Kyle Stowers, you can send him to Norfolk for a third year? Yeah. Like no, there's there's they've they still got to thin things out. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, there's t- still too much here. Yeah.
7: Like trading Joey Ortiz did not fix Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild
1: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
3: The the pipes bursting.
4: No. <laughs> like, no. I mean, again, Kyle Stowers, Ramon, Connor Norby. I, 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 I have a hard time seeing a path for those
3: guys. Coming up next, we get back to the Ravens, and the offseason is here. Jonas Schaefer, Baltimore Banner, joins us next here on The Fan. Football season is over, and the here to the offseason we go, and let's talk some football now. As we head to the WGK Law Guest Hotline, and we're joined by Jonas Schaefer, who covers the Ravens for the Baltimore Banner. And Jonas, good afternoon. Thanks, as always, for joining us. I'll start here since you guys broke it. Anything new on Zay Flowers, and where where do you think it <laughs> We go from
6: here, yeah, nothing new can um, don't want to overstep or overreach, so sure. you know, I guess I'll just say that you know we had a you know a, an update with from Justin Fenton, our you know, terrific crime reporter, just breaking down the details of um, a, a 911 call that that was uh, related to the incident, and you know there was reporting from WBAL about uh, you know state delegates, Pushing Baltimore County officials to to you know be more transparent about this whole process. So it's a very unique situation. It's a very you know sad situation. Um, you know depending on on how this plays out. So all I can say is just you know stay tuned. We're just kind of waiting for whatever next shoe there is to drop. Um, you know it was interesting to see they on Instagram on social media. You know be in Las Vegas this past weekend. So I, I, I imagine that was probably a pre-planned trip, but. Now, the authorities clearly didn't need him to stay to stay nearby if, if he's out there, uh, you know, hanging with his with his team out there in Sin City. So, uh, yeah, I think we're just we're just waiting for for whatever comes next. But hopefully, there's a swift resolution to this whole thing.
2: Well, Jonas, sticking with the receivers, um, you know, I asked Eric DaCosta a couple weeks now at the season ending press conference how different this room could look next year. They got three impending free agents. Rashad Bateman, could something happen there? How different do you think this group could look?
6: Well, I mean, it days back, and that's a, a big, big function. That's, that would be a big, big help. I still think Rashad Bateman can be a, a really good number two, maybe even you know a, a lower tier number one. It just hasn't come together for him in a, in a meaningful way. I still think they're, you know, he does have that route running ability. He does have that that downfield juice. It just, you know, despite what John Harbaugh said <laughs> to, to me, they they just haven't been on the same page there uh, very, very often since that since that rookie year. And you know, obviously, I would imagine if they take a day one or day two pick on a wide receiver, just considering there's always that ability to find an instant impact. Rasheed Rice level, Zay Flowers level, uh, you know, Tank Dell level receiver because of just how many good receivers there are in the draft. And then, you know, obviously you want to fill out that depth because you worry about Zay Flowers' size, you worry about Rashad Bateman's injury history, you worry about the, the rookie learning curve. But, you know, I keep coming back to the fact that like maybe with another year of experience and, and, you know, learning how to operate this offense and Todd Munkin getting, you know, more of his fingerprints on the offense. Maybe we see the Ravens uh, trend away from some of the reliance on 11 personnel and, you know, lean into what worked for them more effectively this past year. More 12 personnel with with uh, Isaiah Likely, mm-hmm. with uh, with Mark Andrews, with, you know, Charlie Kohler, hopefully continuing to buff up and potentially improving his blocking. So obviously you, you want to have the depth that you had at wide receiver this past year. But I think that overlooks the fact that there is a good thing going with that multiplicity that you have a tight end as well.
4: Yeah, they got to gas up their pass game out of heavy personnel, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, it's been a minute since Eric DeCosta's made any even a negligible trade, and we know he loves to make <laughs> trades. And um, as I kind of start looking more and more at some of these contracts, I I, I do wonder um, they've got a lot of holes to fill, and there's never enough draft picks to go around. I, and we've seen guys who start to come up on the fifth year option, and they, they don't really fit financially here. I wonder if they're if if he does make some moves, and maybe even you know with a guy like a a Marcus or a Marlin, or or maybe as much as we're talking about, they need receivers. Maybe it's Rashad Bateman if they think they could do better in the draft and younger, cheaper, what have you. would, would anything along those lines shock you?
6: For Rashad specifically, I, I think I kind of keep coming back to the, the Chuck Clark paradox. When when you guys brought me on after the Kyle Hamilton draft, like,
0: yeah.
6: isn't he isn't he like Chuck Clark? Isn't Bateman like Chuck Clark? Just a guy who is more valuable to the Ravens than he would be to <laughs> anyone else because of the cost control contract, because of the need, because of that versatility. I mean, you know, Rashad can line up out wide, he can line up yep. slot. You, know, you would think that they would maybe use him more in motion that like the way they use they just to kind of get him some of those free releases if, if they are concerned about him standing up physically. So it, it would be tough for me to see any team valuing him more than whatever the Ravens have in mind for, you know, a, a draft capital uh, value on, on Bateman's head. But, you know, there, there's other deals that, that they certainly could make. I mean, I, I think if you were to put a, a gun to my head and say, you know, what surprising trade, we would be most likely to see from Eric Tacaste they would probably would be just like trading out of the first round in general. You know, like every, every year you hear from Ravens officials, from other people around the league, like you only have 20, maybe 25 guys with first round grades. And if you don't feel comfortable taking a guy at the back end of that first round, um, you know, at, at pick 30, then why not trade back into that second round, make it a little bit more palatable for you. Um, you don't have to worry about the fifth year option down the road. If, if, if it's not a guy that you think is going to develop into a guy that you even want to exercise that option for. So I would probably say the Ravens would be more active trading their picks around. Um, maybe they could trade at like a day three pick if they don't feel like uh, there's a lot of value with all the NIL stuff impacting the depth there. But I don't know what kind of guy you could get for like a, you know, fifth round pick at this point, especially picking as late in the round as the Ravens would. So, I'm glad to say probably won't be a splashy mm-hmm. acquisition in terms of personnel, but possibly draft capital.
3: We're talking to Jonas Shavert's Inside Access here on The Fan. Jonas, watching the Super Bowl last night, how much of you were thinking what could have been when you watched the... I know I know, it's Christian McCaffrey and he's really good, but watching them when they chose to run the football getting five-yard chunks, like looking back and saying, well, what the heck... Reminding yourself, what the heck were the Ravens thinking two weeks ago?
6: Yeah, I, mean, I think most of the Baltimore Banner sports staff settled into a, a little depression after the Ravens lost because I know we were all looking forward to go to Vegas and we were all excited to, you know, go on a radio row and uh, stay in that giant uh, Doritos chip of a hotel and, you know, continue to go continue to tell good stories. But, I mean, I, I wrote about this story that went up this afternoon, Ken, just like, you know, You guys are going to talk about Lamar for every day until this point next year, and it just keeps coming back to like he's got to take care of the ball better. You know, the 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 most surprising thing about that game last night was Patrick Mahomes finally threw an interception. Like that was his one and only pick uh, over these past two Super Bowl runs, and his turnover-worthy play rate. And if you look at the PFF data, goes down from the regular season to the playoffs, when you would think that there would be a better concentration. Of defensive talent that he's going up against. Meanwhile, Lamar, it has doubled in some cases. You know that they are right along that same threshold in the regular season. Mahomes and Lamar are, but come playoff time, one guy you know makes the superpower, and the other one kind of lets it be his kryptonite. And that's gonna that's gonna have to be the, the next step that Lamar takes to to get the Ravens back to the AFC Championship game, back to the Super Bowl.
2: Well, Jonas, the Chiefs host the Ravens next year. Do you think that's gonna be the season opener? <laughs>
6: I can see it. Uh, I haven't looked too much into that. i mean, I, and I guess people pointed out, maybe it was just Rebecca who pointed out in the, in the story this morning that like the, the lie or the, the, yeah, the Lions chiefs game wasn't the sexiest game to open up with for Kansas City coming off that Super Bowl. Um So, so it's not always going to be the most obvious one, but it works, you know, the, the you go also go with, you know, Ravens chargers. If you don't want to save that for, for Thanksgiving, although I do think a, A turkey day, Harbaugh Spectacular probably makes the most (laughs) sense. The the way that it did, you know, what, 12 years ago, 13 years ago at this point when uh, those guys were meeting for for, for the first time. So I'm sure we'll see, you know, five, six Ravens games in primetime. That was the case this past year. That was the case after Lamar won that MVP. You know, the Ravens don't have a Steelers size fan base, but just the draw of him, the draw of all the guys that they have on defense, I think you could probably pencil them in for. At least, uh, you know, close to a half dozen primetime games, so that may uh, very well be one of them.
4: This may just be a personal fetish of mine, Jonas, but I found myself That's thinking fair. about it again over the weekend.
6: I really think
4: the best place for J.K. Dobbins on a one-year prove-it deal is here.
6: Yeah, Agree no, or disagree? I, I, you're, I, no, no. I, I, when I, I saw you guys tweet out your, uh, you know, your rundown, I saw the J.K. Dobbins segment. segment from last week and I listened in and, and I agree with, with every word, Jason. I mean, you know, obviously I, I think the biggest, you know, stopping point for JK would just be, do you trust this staff? Do you, do you trust this team? But I think there's enough turnover. Right. At the a coordinator position at the, you know, medical staff with the strength conditioning staff that even though it is still the purple and black, and maybe you don't feel and p- particular affinity for those colors after you know what he's gone through these uh th- these past couple of years. Even John Harbaugh, you know, ha- has completely changed his approach to playing guys in the preseason. <laughs> I don't know if J.K. comes back to Baltimore. If you would be in any position to say I'm not playing in the preseason because he is not the uh, the, the prized bell of the ball that 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 he once was. But you know, it, it, there were clear signs they didn't trust Gus Edwards down the stretch as yeah. much as they had. So. I imagine he's probably on the way out. We don't know just what they might be able to get if they use like a third or fourth or fifth round pick on a running back. Uh, we, we know J.K. has been working hard. We know he's always a, a hard worker, and you can count on him to, to get back. And hopefully that Achilles injury is, is not, uh, you know, career-threatening. And he can be, you know, a guy that you sign for one or two million dollars and, and make it worth your the bank for your buck. And the fact is, like every running back across the league who – is not on a team or who maybe is on a team would love to play behind a potentially top 10 top five offensive line and oh yeah you're playing with lamar jackson who has the most gravity of any quarterback in the league besides maybe josh allen so i think it makes sense for jk dobbins but i think it also makes sense for a lot of really talented guys who maybe just haven't gotten a fair shot because of their circumstances around the league
3: jonah schaefer covers the ravens for the baltimore banner jonas always great man uh thanks, thanks so much for your time enjoy what a little off season you get here i know the combine's coming
6: Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it, guys. Take care.
3: See you. Coming up next, Ravens position review, and we'll look at that wide receiver room. Who's going to be back? What do we think? We'll tell you next here on The Fan. Inside.
1: Inside. Access. On The Fan.
3: Ravens offseason is now. The Combine's like a couple weeks away, and then before you know it, we'll blink and the draft is here. And with that... Let's look at this Ravens wide receiver room, and we talked with Jonas Shaver about this, and everybody says, well, Rashad Bateman, the metrics look good, but it's obvious he wasn't on the same page with Lamar Jackson. Odell Beckham is, is uh, I don't care about void years, he's a free agent. Yeah. Nelson Aguilar signed a one-year deal. I guess we'll do this assuming Zay Flowers is back. What does this room look like?
4: Well, I mean, look, let's just, before, are they, will they definitely have the luxury of doing it under the sort of guidelines you just put out there? Because we don't, we don't know a timetable. We don't know how quickly something's going to come out. Mm. And even the fact that there has been a 911 call from a distressed female from the vicinity of his house, even if that goes nowhere in a court of law sure in the court of roger goodell he could be suspended
3: There's, right so i don't know that they can you know what i mean I, I there there is one variable we should point out that we didn't think of when we talked about this last week jimmy smith had an incident with his ex uh, and she went on social media accused him of physically and emotionally abusing her and also doing drugs in front of the kids he eventually got a four-game suspension And there was stuff on social media to this effect. He eventually got it for it. And this was post-Ray Rice. Mm -hmm. So if this, I guess, and and it it feels dirty to even talk about this stuff. But if this goes in that same sort of, like, if this sort of doesn't go anywhere, I guess he could still get a suspension from Roger Goodell is what I'm saying. Yeah,
4: I, I think he most definitely could. And it's hard to have a read on where these things are going, even with them being privy to everything that they're privy to, um, it's it's hard to know what will happen mm-hmm. from the league office or otherwise. So I would just say I don't think they can operate like, well, we got Zay and everything's normal. Mm-hmm. I, I would think you'd you'd have to at least – allow for the contingency that Zay Flowers might not be playing a full season of football Correct. next year. Yes. Even if you say though, okay, let's let's go to a parallel universe where you can just say we've got Zay Flowers um and we've got Bateman and we've got I guess Tylen Wallace. <laughs> that's not a whole lot. No. Like that's that's not it's not a la- where they want to be. Yeah. And I think the The one thing that maybe this Odell Beckham signing showed us is that the right veteran presence can help other guys, can be a positive, a net positive for team chemistry. Like, not every veteran wide receiver needs to walk out of Baltimore hanging his head low. Now, I would say Odell ain't hanging it as high as he thought he was going Mm -hmm. to. And it didn't end particularly great. And it peaked in November. And December and January were kind of a nothing burger. But there weren't the kind of sideline blow-ups. You know, there was nothing on social media. There wasn't dirty laundry being aired like you started to hear yeah. with Hollywood towards the end of that or certainly Sammy Watkins. Like, it wasn't great, but it certainly wasn't horrible. It
3: wasn't It wasn't Deshaun Jackson. No. It, it wasn't Des. Odell was saying after they beat Houston, it's the best team he's ever played on, and he didn't have the season he expected to have.
4: Yeah, but, like, he added to their overall cohesion, chemistry, like, I think he probably was pretty good at keeping some guys heads on straight at times where it wasn't going great. So there's something to be said for that, clearly. $15, $16 million for that. No, 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 no. Nah, who? No. Um, what is Odell's price point? I don't know. Like, I liked Aguilar. I mean, if they could get Aguilar back about where they got him last year, I think that's a useful player to have back, to have some continuity. Um but we came back to a point where we often get to with this franchise. <clears throat> which who who are which receivers in this offense at this moment in time are playmakers? Mark Andrews, <laughs> like are, that's a tight end. Yeah, that's
3: a tight end, okay. wide receiver. It okay. was one guy. It was Zay Flowers. Yes, and Zay Flowers looked like, and I don't want to. I feel like we said this about Hollywood too. But there was something different about Zay Flowers. Oh, yeah. Hollywood had those huge games, but then he disappear at times. Like, I feel like, Jason, when you agree, Zay Flowers showed us more than Hollywood. Well, there's a lot more
2: yak. I mean, Hollywood would just, the turf monster would get him every single time, whereas Zay, he was getting yards after the catch. But this room is going to look a heck of a lot different. I'm with you on Aguilar. If you could get him back on the cheap, that would be good. But with the uncertainty with Zay Flowers, I mean, that obviously throws a big wrench into it as well. And guys... I wouldn't be shocked at all if they draft a receiver high again. I mean, Eric DaCosta, he, he is not afraid of
4: swinging at that position. If you made me throw a dart at a position right now, I'm going to say left tackle. They, yeah. I Just think that's based the Based one. on need, based on oh, how um, they evaluate, and based on depth in this, like, first-round depth in this draft, I think it's left
2: Oh, I, I'm not saying round one, but I could see easily a day two
4: pick. Well, I mean... Yeah, they they probably will have to. I I just again, there's um, there's been a disconnect in their evaluations of college wide receivers yes. and their NFL yeah, productions a little bit. So I don't know. I I I think there's 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 a way to have someone in that Odell role at half the price who ultimately could give you similar numbers mm-hmm. and not the same gravitas, not not the same swag, but someone who helps these youngsters mature and and who comes away with 5 to 7 touchdowns, 550 to 700 yards receiving and hopefully a couple of big games down the stretch in the playoffs which that didn't happen this year.
3: Inside Access here on a Monday coming up next we get back to the Orioles Dan Zimborski fan graphs ESPN. We'll ask him about the projections from other sites. Why are Zips projections better for the O's than some of the others? Dan joins us next here on the fan.
7: Inside. Inside.